On this week's General Admission, we are very excited to have Rob Hitt of Midtown on the show for a great chat on what it's been like getting the band back together, touring with My Chemical Romance, running his own record label, working with Four Years Strong, and lots more. Before that, we kick it off with a discussion on Slipknot's new album, The End So Far, and the Yeah Yeah Yeah's new album, Cool It Down. We discuss what albums we can listen to and instantly feel like a kid again. And we also preview some upcoming shows. Okay, let's go. Hello. Hello, people. Hello, Brett. Big show today. Big show today. Yeah, got a lot to talk about. We got fun interview to bring you later that we have not done yet but sure it's gonna go great <laughs> we got rob hit of midtown on the show today very exciting um yeah we're gonna talk to him in an hour from recording this so uh jam-packed night for us and we're gonna have a jam-packed episode for you very we're exciting. becoming what you hate <laughs> well played but we won't give it up <laughs> Because it's like a movie. <laughs> All right, I'll stop now. <laughs> Have you been listening to them this week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I went down the rabbit hole. I was very happy. Yeah. And also I've... partially sad that like they ended when they did. I'm sure we'll, maybe we'll talk about that with him a little bit. But Yeah, because they ended on a high note. They did. Is... That's the thing. That's a, that, You read my mind with yeah. that. Yeah, I want to ask him about that because it's, it's like cool and then it's not at the same time you know like you get to have like a perfect discography but also like you guys were doing great what what happened they did put out i mean we're gonna get to all this in the interview i hope but um they did put out an ep in like 2013 so they like that dip, i missed dipped their toe in the water but then didn't commit i don't know we'll get to it we'll get to it later with rob but yeah i've been listening to ton of midtown a uh, ton of slipknot um been throwing it back a little which we'll talk about later um been kind of all over the place i listened to hot mulligan this morning fine again sometimes even like with this podcast and us having new music to listen to sometimes you just want to put on an album that you know and love i completely I, agree i had to drive 30 minutes the other day to my cousin's place and it was it was a Saturday and like the three of us were going out. So I was like in cheerful spirits, ready to drink some beers and, and whatever. And I was trying to think of an album to put on and I put on self-titled by blank. And I just like sang my ass off in the car for 30 minutes. And it was, it was glorious. It's a good pregame album too. Yeah. It's not, not quite the party blank album, but like, no, cause lyrically it, it seems kind of depressing at times, but like, it's still like it goes hard and it's really fun to scream to. And it's one of those albums, at least for me and you that like, you're going to know every word, every inflection. So you can like perform in the car, which is, which is always so much fun. And that's right in that year wheelhouse, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit, unless you want to start with that. I guess we could start with it. (laughs) We could start with it. So, um, I was I was talking to Brett earlier this week about albums that you can put on and they kind of just take you back to a place in time. And 
you know, we're older now. We have responsibilities. We have jobs. We have bills. We have things to think about that can get a little tiring at times. But it's kind of an amazing thing that you can put on certain albums that were important to you at a certain time in life. And you could kind of like bottle that feeling up for a little bit of when you were maybe 13 years old riding bikes and not really thinking about anything except like what time are we going to the mall later or something like that. Or whose basement are we hanging out in tonight? Yeah, where we'll order dominoes and probably just like fight each other. <laughs> or play <laughs> Madden for like five yeah, hours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Miss those days. But it's kind of cool that we can take ourselves back to them. Um the album that sparked this thought for me was We Are Not Alone by Breaking Benjamin. They were like the first, like for a long time in my life, they were my favorite band, if you were to ask me. And I I really liked them. They weren't like, they weren't a band at the time that everyone knew or liked. Like I, I felt cool knowing them and all this stuff. And I just loved the shit out of this album. And I can put that on and I can feel like a kid riding bikes. And that's a really cool thing. Does that album also like remind you of fall? Cause like when you told me about this week and I put it on, like I can pinpoint where I was, what I was doing and like who I was with just listening to this album in full, like friend of the pod, Chris, who did one of the drafts with us. Like we used to hang out in his basement all the time and he was really into breaking Benjamin. I remember like this album was on repeat nonstop and it was like that fall of that year like hearing the opening notes of so cold and like yeah. seeing it's been like raining for like a week now here <laughs> and been cold it yeah. just takes me back to that fall like nothing ever changed in like 20 years yeah um it takes me back to fall it kind of just takes me back to that whole year of being uh 2004 so i guess i was like 11 no that's completely wrong uh 13 13 <laughs> i'm not a math guy okay <laughs> really easy math 13 that was right when i said it before um yeah i remember hearing so cold uh, that was definitely the first song i heard by them and uh me and my uncle were going fishing and we used to leave to go fishing really early in the morning because that's what you do and i remember that song we were listening to it in the car and we were driving past the lakes um that we weren't fishing at we're still driving through like lake areas and in the morning like all the fog comes off the lake and i remember um this lake near us called monksville has all these like dead trees and tree stumps in the lake and all the fog was coming up as we were going over the bridge and this song was playing and that scene is so similar to the music video that it was just it was kind of like surreal in that moment great music video too yeah yeah super cool he's walking through the swamp and carrying that log and oh, like that ending outro too is that yeah. when they start coming out of the water like yeah someone comes out of the water yeah because they have like two bridges in that song which is kind of cool the they outro like... bridge is my favorite probably though yeah uh yeah it's just that whole album through and through simple design follow firefly sooner or later away rain is kind of like corny i always kind of like rolled my eyes at it but it's the last track so like whatever and it's on the Spotify album twice. You know, I it played twice for me. I thought maybe it just like sent me off to like 
Radio Land and decided to just play that back to back. There's the alternate single version at the end. I don't know that that song is needed twice. I don't know that it's needed once. (laughs) I'd rather just jump to Phobia. (laughs) Seriously, jump to those uh, airplane noises and helicopters. Yeah, so I was just I was just having a day on like I think it was just like a Tuesday morning driving to work or something and this album was just it really really took me back to feeling like a kid for a little bit which is nice and then speaking of that uh, good charlotte's the young and the hopeless turned 20 on october 1st which was saturday which that made me feel old but that's another one i can kind of pinpoint where i was at that point and just brings back a ton of memories because i think that's pretty much what launched like my strongest pop punk phase or maybe the phase i've never left i should say i mean yeah. obviously it started with anima but that like young and the hopeless really pushed things over the edge for me like that album just has like so many hits on it and they were everywhere when this was out and i feel like everyone loved them too and it was yeah. like a rare thing that 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 many people agree on a single band so it was really nice to kind of go back and visit that one it was a huge album it was it was that all killer, no filler, and take off your pants and jacket that I remember having on my little like clear blue CD tower case, and those were those were the those three. <laughs> yeah, those were the three at the top until I started getting enough where I was alphabetizing. But for a while, those three just lived at the top. Oh man, I used to play tony hawk and listen to this album i would also play tony hawk and just listen to the tony hawk soundtrack yeah, obviously I but i would also <laughs> play video games and just listen to cds like all the time and this was this was heavy in rotation i think that... Blood, bloody valentine might be my favorite on that album oh it's so good so good Had bloody a cool valentine and uh too. what was the other one I'm wondering if you want me to wait i will wait for you um story uh, mild man that was good um lifestyles rich and famous the anthem riot girl was it day that i die no maybe this moving on is, moving on the ender yep this album is longer than i remember <laughs> is that one of the best ways you think to listen to music was like back when you just would spin a cd while playing a video game or do you think like car is still the best i mean it's hard to compare it to that that place in in life but i still think car is the best yeah it's a close (laughs) second but i wasn't singing my heart out in my room i mean a little bit but not like you can in a car and if something went wrong in the video game it kind of ruined the surrounding music a little bit (laughs) yeah it didn't have all your attention when you're driving you obviously don't need to pay attention to anything but the music (laughs) (laughs) much more hands off I should have made a bullet point there <laughs> <laughs> or a caveat. There's the <laughs> now this, this was a great, great album. I never listened to a ton else by them. I know. What was it? The, the one before the, the self-titled maybe. Yep. Uh, it was really with uh, like little things. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was really just this album. And then I remember I Just Want to Live came out and I was not a fan of that. And then I was just kind of done with them. Was that Chronicles of Life and Death or that was the one after that? It might have been after that. It was, yep. I Just Want to Live. There it is. 
Yeah, I remember playing Halo and like me and my friends put it on back when, you know, you had online. Well, you still have it, but when it first came out. And they I, had was a like, ton of... I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know. It's like synthesizer and uh, it was just weird. And like extra eyeliner and... Yeah. No, but... I, I should should have talked to Nicole because she was a huge Good Charlotte fan when she was when she was that age. And probably longer. But yeah, for me, it was just The Young and the Hopeless, really. I think they put out one in, yeah, 2016. They put out an album called Youth Authority. That was kind of like a throwback to their old pop punk sound, which is pretty good. Yeah, I definitely put it on. I don't don't really remember it, though, enough to like talk about it. But yeah, Young and Hopeless. Now that album, I was 11. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was 2002. And that's doing math with Nick and Brett. <laughs> not our strong suit. No, no. We're, we're words guys, not numbers guys. Um, we had a couple new albums this week. We had one big new album, and then we had another new album that Vinny told us about. So we can talk about both of these. Um which one should we start with? Do you want to start with the Vinny recommendation first, then we can kind of end on yeah. the big one? Yeah. Yes. That's the name of Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so friend of the pod, Vinny, um, texted me saying that we should check out this album by the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Is it the yeah yeah yes or just yeah yeah yes? Because I, I think I it's get just this right. yeah yeah yes. Just, but I feel like you have to like say the by yeah yeah yes. All right, I'm saying it too many times now. It's sounding weird. Damn, they have a lot of monthly listeners, six million. That's yeah, crazy. People love them. So I've I've heard this name before, but I I don't think I listened to them before this. But they sound like a band that I would have heard without knowing that i heard them you remember maps being like all over the place in like 2003 2004 like that video was like always on mtv i feel like and it was in guitar uh, hero or no that was in rock band is the other one right the other video game back then um vaguely i have it on right now in the background it sounds familiar their name sounds familiar but um i I really liked this album actually. The first the first listen through I wasn't sure. And then I listened to it again and it's really cool. Like it's very atmospheric, you know? It just sounds like like the first song um uh is it spitting off the end of the world? Spinning? Spitting? I want to make sure I got it. Spitting, spitting off the edge of the world. Spitting yeah. off the edge of the world. Yeah. Um it sounds like you're like kind of floating through space, like the way they have the echoes and just like, however they recorded it, they really um, did a good job of like capturing that atmospheric vibe. Yeah. I wrote that one hit just right on a cold rainy Monday yesterday. Oh yeah. Like nailed the atmosphere around me. Yeah. I think it's kind of what drew me into it like a little deeper. Yeah. I listened uh, at work first. And then I listened again earlier tonight and I was listening on my headphones and I took my dog outside. 
Shout out Jasper. Um, I took him outside and it was dark out. And listening to that song outside in the dark makes it like, I'd say six and a half times better. It's a very specific number. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm sticking with. Six and a half times better. Um it really was like one of those things where um your surroundings kind of impact how you perceive an album. And I'm glad I listened back to this again because I enjoyed it way more when I wasn't at work being just like angry about whatever things are going on at work. <laughs> Um, I'd be careful listening to music at work. I'm starting to realize I had like dislike albums I listen to at work, and then I listen to them like a week later, in like when I'm just sitting around or like driving around, and it's yeah. completely different. So I'm yeah, learning. I have really to listen first, not at work. <laughs> yeah, and certain albums just hit better in certain ways. Like some might hit better in the car. Some might. Some might work better at work. You know. Um, if you're just like, I don't know what albums would particularly hit better at work, but where you listen definitely makes an impact for your like initial judgments. But then like when Fish you... is good work music. Yeah. Thanks for me. Oh, yeah. It's very, uh, can be very background music, but then you yeah. could also like really hone in on it when you want to. Um, but this album had a lot of like references to outside. Um, like, they talked about stars and wolves. And then um, there was one line that was, uh, I think it said the wilderness is becoming my addiction on, I think that was in fleece. That was um, probably my favorite song off this. It was really cool when they brought that like synthesizer in at the end with that really like high pitched uh, synth noise. It was that caught my attention real nice. And I love how, um, in wolf it just like it's going and going and you're kind of in this groove and then it just cuts it all out and then it just comes in with like this heavy like i think it's a bass it's just like a bass and drum and it just switches up style a little bit and then it cuts the sound out again and brings it back and i just i love when songs are unpredictable like that especially like trancey music like this because like the joe album we talked about last week was kind of similar and that was actually gets, in my notes too it gets in these that grooves album. yeah it gets in these grooves where like you almost start um you get in like a trance almost so then when it does something really dramatic like cutting everything out it really like whips you back in and i, I just think that's like a super a super cool choice that these artists can make now I'm just curious, like if this is like what they've always sounded like, or this is like them in 2022. Like I probably should have gone back and listened to like their big album, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we should we should mention um, their last album was 2013, so pretty much 10 years, nine years since their last album, which is is pretty cool, especially if you're a fan. We'll kind of get into that same idea with Midtown, but to just have a band come back out of the blue. I don't know if they were teasing it. I don't really know much about them at all. But so I've known about them for a while. I feel like they've been they were very influential in like New York indie scene in like the two thousands. 
like there's a book out called meet me in the bathroom and i've been waiting to like dive into yeah 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 so i read that book but i haven't gotten to that book yet but it pretty much gets into like the strokes lcd sound system yeah yeah's vampire weekend and pretty much how like they took over the indie scene like and it was pretty much like a post post 9-11 indie scene is like how it's described but interesting so they're pretty uh, much is like my my now like i know they exist and i know like a lot of people love them along with those bands but like i I still it's near the top of my reading list but i haven't read it yet so yeah the whole like um that whole like indie side of things like all the bands you just mentioned are bands that like i want to be into but i just haven't quite done it yet like i've put on like lcd sound system and stuff yeah but strokes i feel like lean a little more rock than like some of these other bands i think the but, national are in there too maybe yeah or, or interpol that's the other one. Oh yeah i definitely like cross pass of their set at a festival before but i don't they're another one like all these bands just make me think of like alt nation on sirius yep <laughs> they're definitely on there all the time it's it's definitely like like a mood um and i hate i hate being out of the loop music but it's just it's something it's a side a genre i haven't like dove into i remember when lcd sound system announced all those shows in brooklyn and everyone was like losing their mind and i felt so left out <laughs> i wanted to be excited but i'm like i don't i don't know this bad i know like two of their songs and, <laughs> and I, then like, i listened to them all songs. day but yeah yeah we need to like just like pick in like an indie month and just like go crazy or if we ever do like our reading club, that should be our first book that we do. Yeah. <laughs> we should be keeping a list because I feel like we say a book we're going to read. Yeah. Every episode. Bad Religion one is still <laughs> on my list. This one now. Um, so we also had another album this week. We had Slipknot, The End So Far. It is 57 minutes. Um, What is it like? 13 songs believe so yeah 12 12 12 um what'd you think of this so before i get into this i want to just kind of take a step backwards first okay i spent like most of last week listening to i'm gonna butcher the name again we are not what's not we We are are not your kind we are not your kind there we go yeah (laughs) too many we are's on this podcast this week (laughs) But I don't know if it was just COVID or like, well, probably just COVID, but like, <laughs> I forgot how great that album was. And like, so good. It's I was so listening good. to it. I was like, how can I forget how great this was? And like, I did some like digging too. And like, it was like critically acclaimed too. Like there's yeah. so many good reviews about like how great. Unsainted is such a yeah. good song. That's an all timer oh for them. Yeah. But and like the that whole album. Song, Solway Firth. Solway Firth. Yep. Oh my God so good and i don't know why i don't remember that though (laughs) it has to be covid brain right (laughs) definitely definitely um but coming off that though like it's a tough one to follow yeah and then plus like we touched on last we got like jim root didn't really do a great job of (laughs) selling this one but i thought it was really really good like maybe not as high as the last one but it was pretty close yeah. Like I thought like this had like a the first six was a really strong build. 
there's some in the middle I could skip over, but then like it ends on like a three track like rally. And yeah. I feel like if you have like a really strong like 80 to 90% of your album, then it's a great album. And I still think their discography is almost impeccable, but I might be overstating that. Yeah. Um, I think they're really, really good at doing what they do. So if you're a fan, I would say their discography is impeccable. Um, I'm like, I'll admit I'm more of a casual Slipknot fan, so it's hard for me to compare it to like all their work. I did listen to that that last album we were just talking about because that was when I went and saw them on tour like last year. So I was listening to that album a lot. Um, I really like this album. I I think they they did really cool. Um, like they took some some chances and did some experimental stuff, but they never got Adderall. like they never strayed so far from their sound that it's distracting. Yeah, Adderall. Um, I wrote, is this like them being Fish or Pink Floyd in my notes? <laughs> Dude, it's exactly like uh, On the Run by Pink Floyd. Um, that It's it's just uh, like slowed down a little bit. But I, d- I agree. I put I put that on because I had to I had to check. I'm like, this sounds really familiar. But. And they kick the album off with that. So you're like, whoa, like what direction are they going in here? And then like the dying song kicks in. It's like, nope, it's still yep. Slipknot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I love how they just do like that dissonant guitar on so many songs. The scratching too is so good. And there's a lot of interesting lyrics on this album too, especially um, you mentioned the dying song. He had a line like, put your hands into the water, let your mouth go sick and dry, which I, I just think is kind of cool. Like, you're trying to clean your hands of something. Meanwhile, like your body is craving water, but I don't know. You can interpret things however you want, but I just, I like lyrics that make you think. And there are a lot on this album that did that. Not to say it was cheating, but we do have a, a share sheet that Nick and I have for these shows. And I did see some of Nick's notes on this album. And like, it blew my mind on like the explanations for some of the songs. Like I'll let you touch yeah. on those, but like, it made me go back and listen to them like even deeper than the first couple times I did like hive mind. So Corey Taylor did an interview with, um, ah, shit. Is it like metal hammer or something like that? Um, I forget the publication name. I'll double check. Um, but so on the genius website for lyrics at the bottom, they all had like these quotes from him and from that interview talking about, what the, what the songs mean yeah so i wrote a bunch of those down we we obviously we don't have to go through all of them because then it would just kind of be be us reading but it like um the dying song had to do with um death and empathy and humanity and he was talking about pulling out of like social circles and um he said it's the musical equivalent of bashing your head against the fucking wall <laughs> which is what that song sounds like too yeah, so it really does um you mentioned hive mind too um that one was probably my favorite explanation it's yeah. like we all go to a show we all come from different backgrounds but like for that one night we're all united in our love for a band but then like the show ends and we're back to being we scatter like different. cockroaches yeah what he said cockroaches when the light gets on them right yeah so cool um yeah it is metal hammer all right just wanted to make sure i, I attributed that correctly because it's a cool interview so recommend checking it out um yeah he's 
he's an interesting dude and i like that he was willing to like break these songs down a lot of artists like to just keep things um ambiguous but it was funny because there's a couple songs on this um warranty and then um that was another good explanation <laughs> it might have been uh finale um i forget what the other one is but it's basically they're both kind of like comments on fans who uh either aren't happy with where the band's going or they want them to change or they don't want them to change and his whole thing is kind of warranty yeah warranty he's just like what what was it um you got it all back but i blew it got it all back but i blew it on the trade-in isn't this what you came here for it's just (laughs) he's just he's just uh i'm sure a band that big is going to get lots of opinions and Mm -hmm. I did dip into the Slipknot subreddit because I wanted to see what what the fans think. And it's the internet, so I feel like the negativity tends to rise to the top a lot. But people seemed a little disappointed. Not everyone. Plenty of people liked it, obviously. Um, we like it. And I'm sure plenty of fans like it. But I was wondering, as a hardcore fan, does it feel like maybe it's missing, like, that bite i don't think so a little edge i thought like before i got to h377 i might have thought it was missing that bite but then like i put that song on and was oh my god like this is they still got it like if they want to go hard they will i mean i get it they're not going to go back to where they were on the self-title or iowa yeah that was 20 years ago you can't really expect them to still be putting out music like that (laughs) but they still can go hard when they want to. And I thought they did there, but even like in this later slip now, like I like when they're heavy, but they're not like on songs like Vermilion or like dead memories. And like, that's what they did with, I think it's Desade is how yeah. you pronounce this song. Yeah. But like, that was like, I like when they do that, like obviously like he's singing, but the music behind him is still heavy. Yo. And the music behind him in that like echoes the vocals, which I thought was yes, so cool. Yes. He's like, I know I never had a chance. Chance. And then the guitar is like, it just it it just ties together really, really good. It has a great solo in that song. Um no, I I I think you make a good point. And that's that's the slipknot I personally like is when Corey Taylor can actually like sing a melody at points. Cause I I just like contrast the music. So when they can go from the really intense verses to like a beautiful chorus. I just think it all makes it hit harder. And you I mentioned think... um, H377. That intro is so good. It's like one of us knows who hates me. One of us loves it. And then he just screams, I know yep. it's you. <laughs> so good. that's when I knew we were in for something good there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Desade, um, they got really like groovy with it. Like it had a really cool bass line and like just this almost like bluesy feel to it. But it still had that crunch to it too. It was like a subtle crunch, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. It said it said on that site, this isn't what Corey Taylor said, but Desade was a French nobleman who wanted to open free brothels due to the belief it would lower crime. However, he was deemed mentally unfit and was imprisoned. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I liked it. I I wound up listening to this maybe like three or four times 
I did too. And I think I'll go back to it even after after this. Slipknot's up on my to-see list, so this one's probably going to be on my getting a lot of spins for a while, and hopefully they come through and I can finally cross them off my list soon. Yeah, I would... Seeing them made me a bigger fan of them because it was just... It felt like an an event or like theatric and everything more than just seeing a band play songs and i was reading the ama uh cory taylor did on reddit and he said they're not they don't have plans to change their stage layout so that's good for you and me because i liked it but the stage layout was really cool so i'm glad they're not they're not changing it up they have like multiple levels and there's like these these like big rotating fans on stage and they all have their masks on and then um um i forget the they still have jumpsuits or is that like older um no they still have jumpsuits and then um who's on turntables um sid wilson i think he's i i think it was sid wilson there's so many members in that band i don't know for sure but this one guy possibly sid wilson had on like this cloak and then behind the keyboard or turntables were these um like treadmills so it looked like they were like moonwalking in place and doing all this weird shit so like even when certain members weren't doing anything with their instruments they were wandering the stage and just like being creepy clowns like it it was really cool like my i have a cousin and she's super into horror stuff she is not even like a huge music fan and i want her to come to a slipknot show because i think she would just love the costumes and just the whole theatrical side of it that's what i really want to say yeah and i love how this album pretty much like kicked off this year's spooky season yes such a perfect time of year to drop this album they they know they what they're mu- doing yeah okay <laughs> it's not a coincidence <laughs> like they most of their that might be wrong but i feel like a lot of their releases have come out in the fall yeah i i would i would agree based off nothing based on their costume <laughs> based off just thinking that sounds like it makes sense <laughs> let's see i'm gonna give, check it, a quick, my give it a quick check how are you gonna find exact release dates these are the these All are right, the I times was... <laughs> where i have to make cuts in the podcast because fred starts <laughs> researching in silence for like five minutes i got it though so are we uh, counting late august <laughs> sure Okay, so we got Iowa came out in August 28, 2001. All Hope is Gone was August 26, 2008. The Great Chapter was October 21st, 2014. Ooh, very spooky. We Are Not Your Kind was August 9th. And the end so far was September 30th. So I feel like yeah. that is a majority. The other two were spring releases, but no, I think what great. I said is true, so we don't have to yeah. edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I would never edit out factually incorrect info. I would just leave it. And Part of the pod. Just figure it out. <laughs> no, there, this is definitely the perfect time of year. And it was made sense. This album came out as I was watching. We don't have to get into this because it was very disturbing, but I was watching that Dahmer show on Netflix. So I just oh, had watched like it too. murder and spookiness and all this crazy shit on the mind. And then this album comes out and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just like a serial killer this week because this is just way too much like aggression and scary stuff for me to 
for me to carry around all day. So I'm going to have to like, that's why I put on hot mulligan this morning. I need to cheer myself up. I put on something happy. If there there were no uh, whale noises on the end so far. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Good thing. Although it would fit. It would fit on there. It would be a pretty (laughs) cool ending. Uh, All right. Speaking of of happier music, um, I think it's time we throw it to our interview with Rob and talk to him about Midtown and touring with MCR and his record label and all these fun things. And And living well is the best revenge. That's right. We'll see everyone on the other side. Okay, we now welcome on a very, very special guest, Rob Hitt. He founded his own record label, I Surrender Records. He's managed bands over at Crush Music. And most famously, he is the drummer for pop punk NJ Legends Midtown. Rob, it is you we're waiting for. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's (laughs) awesome to have you. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) How's it going? How's the tour going? Um, how's the tour going? So <laughs> it's funny. We're all using vacation days, right? Cause we're like, <laughs> this wasn't the plan. Uh, we didn't know this was going to happen in 2022 that we were apparently going to go and play big arenas with my chemical romance and do riot fest or furnace fest. Um, so it's funny last, last Wednesday, um, we, we played, it was like, you know, eight, eight fifteen set time. Uh, American Airlines Arena, Dallas, Texas, 20,000 people play a set, get off stage at 10 on the flight the next morning at, uh, at 10 a.m., get home that night, go to sleep, wake up, go into the office the next day. <laughs> like, it's like, it's wild. It's really what, kind of what are your What do your coworkers think when you tell them you're opening for My Chemical Romance? It's a great question. <laughs> I think I don't like go around the office saying, Hey everyone! I just played in front of twenty thousand people. How are you doing with that? Uh, that <laughs> you don't wear like the concert tour shirts to work the next day. You don't throw the drumsticks around. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I don't. I don't even know what they think of it. So, no, a, a few people know, and they think it's pretty cool. Either they don't really care, or they're just kind of like hiding it, or that. You know, like maybe we're just punk kids and they just don't get it. We're not, I'm not Harry Styles or Cardi B, you know? You're playing close to, I mean, the, these arenas are pretty huge. Like that's yeah. gotta be, that's gotta be a trip. Cause I mean, you guys are, as a punk band, like I imagine you were playing more like club venues for most of your career. So are these stages some of the more bigger ones that you're now like jumping? Oh, into? yeah. So, so, Common question that you know I, you get over the years is like, what's your favorite kind of show to play? And I always say they're they're you can't. It's almost like your children, or if you have children, or the silly saying, uh, you have your children, you can't pick one, but you can pick two. My favorite from history, by far, hands down, best things to play are either specifically small club headline show sold out. Or, and I'm very specific when I say arena, because in, in 2001, 
we were really lucky and really fortunate to get to open up for um, Blink-182 on about, you know, eight to 10 oh, shows. Yeah. And th those were in arenas. In fact, I think some of those were actually the same arenas we're playing now Mike Hem, with Mike Hem 20 years later, which is completely wild and makes Come no sense. In yeah, in terms of life. But, and that's how, like, I was able to have the, the perception, even though it was only like a few shows, a handful, still there's just something special about it. But like, when I say arena, I, I mean like uh, amphitheater, no, small club, different, better. Um, you know, there's something about being in the closed space that's sold out where the lights are off and there's this, and you can have a large pit sea of people like when there's a big pit area where there's ga in an arena it is just so much fun because the fans can actually still be kind of close to you without it being um seats right so you you, you kind of get the best of both worlds um but the difference on this is that when we opened for blink it was us and then newfound glory and then blink and like i remember playing the lights would be on in the venue we wouldn't be able to use any lights um now we're direct support my camera like the most amazing humans ever they like let us use their lights in the you know in the in the arena like it's so crazy they don't you know a lot, a lot of times when you not a lot a lot of times but i i pretty guarantee like almost 100 percent of the time if you're a support band opening for you know a massive headliner like a my cam they'll they call it db limiting limiting where as an opener you can't be loud because the headliner has to be loud um but my camera the same punk rock guys that they were when you know we were growing up in the late 90s early 2000s and they just want everybody to be treated fairly and it's just it's it's been such a great opportunity and we're definitely very lucky um but yeah, if we're going to go out one last time, man, we couldn't have gotten luckier to have such a, a, a cool experience uh, <laughs> to be able to do that. But yeah, my coworkers have, even if they think they have a clue, they have, they, they, they have no idea. <laughs> they're like, it's funny talking to some of them because like, because I was away and they're like, oh, oh yeah, what would you do this weekend? <laughs> I was like, I just played a few shows with my band, you know, blah, 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 like, not getting too deep into it. <laughs> so like, Oh, cool. I went to this new restaurant. It was really great. I was like, oh, that's really cool to hear. Good for you. I'm not, I'm not like diminishing somebody's great meal. Don't get me wrong. I was making the point that, you know, I, uh, I wasn't like pulling out photos, you know, pulling out pol Polaroids from my back pocket. Hey, look at me. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it's, it's, it's been really great. Um, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been fun because we've been we've been flying to to a bunch of the shows because they're so far from each other first of all like tour buses are super expensive like i don't even know if you're aware but like it's actually cheaper to fly remarkably cheaper than than to uh, uh to get a bus but but like even that being said um we were in florida uh uh last what was it last sunday we played a show Saturday and then we had two days off between Florida and Texas and we start turning on the news and there's this hurricane Ian or whatever the name was. And 
like in Southern Florida, I, I know they're more used to it than obviously we are up on the East Coast, uh, Northeast, but um, every station was just like, you know, this thing is going to be bad. When's it coming? And we were just so lucky. Our flight out was Wednesday and the hurricane hit on Wednesday. Uh, our flight out was Monday and the hurricane hit on Wednesday. So it's almost one of those things where you have this experience and, and I, like, is it all in jeopardy because of this stupid hurricane? So yeah. just it's, it's wild being out there and remembering all these little things that can happen, like when you're actually on tour and you're in the thick of it and it's not just the show, you know, like, you know, if you're in Colorado in the winter, you don't know if you're going to make it to your next show because they can just have a, uh, a road can just close. Yeah. Like, especially out there, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, they just close. You guys had to deal with the pandemic for these shows too, right? Like, were you announced before um, the show got, because I know the show has been postponed at least I was at Prudential. I know that show was postponed twice. It was close to three years before it happened. So did you yes. think you were getting back together and then all of a sudden you had to wait a couple of years to do it? Totally opposite, actually. I oh. don't know if my chem ever had uh, support yet when they first announced the shows and put them on sale. Uh, I don't think they did. Um, no, definitely not the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. So, so what happened was, is, is Tyler and our band, he'd always hit up me and Heath because we both still live in the Northeast. Gabe, Gabe lives out in LA. And what ended up happening was he'd try to be all slight. Why don't you guys, uh, why don't we get together and have a beer? It is after not being a band for since 2005. And I can kind of smell, I can kind of smell what he was up to, but I didn't, you know, I love these guys, you know, whatever. And then he's like, hey, uh, why don't you come over to my house for a barbecue? Rob, I have a drum kit in my attic. You know, like, <laughs> and then the next, then a text, like the next month would be like, hey, like, why don't we just jam sometime? Wouldn't that be, you know? So, so finally he, he kept pushing and kept doing the hints. And uh, I believe it was March, I'm going to say March 10th, maybe March 3rd of uh, 2020. And, you know, he and Tyler were like, Let, let's just have fun. Let's just get together and jam. Like, we'll just jam and have fun like the old days. Nothing about a show, but I knew I knew it was ulterior motives. Yeah, total <laughs> ulterior motives. So, so we talked, uh, got together, and within the next seven days, everything shut down because of the pandemic. So I was almost like, I guess, you know, sorry, Tyler, like, this isn't happening right now. Like nothing's going to go on, but we actually, me, Heath and Tyler did get together. And in retrospect, it's really funny. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I was such a, like, I couldn't even barely play drums at that like first rehearsal. And I was like, Oh man, I would never be able to do this. And then fast forward about a year and a half into the pandemic and, you know, Things start to relax. People start to, to go out again and whatever it is. And Ty Tyler starts banging on the door again. And he says, uh, and we're like, all right, well, why don't we just, maybe we'll do like a Starland show. And the plan initially really was just to do Starland, right? And the hard part is I knew it would be a lot of work um, for one show, but, you know, the big reasoning behind it for him and 
he and Gabe is they all have a bunch of kids and their kids are old enough now to see their dad's blight. So, you know, the way I looked at it is like, well, if there's anything we can do, you know, for their kids, like to me, that's, that's enough reason to try to figure this out. So we kind of like started more than toying with the idea of saying, okay, well, how can we put this together to actually do a show? And so we were going to do it. I don't even know if we had a date booked yet at that point, but what ended up happening was um, Tyler, I don't know why he was texting with Mikey way from my cam, but he was, I guess he said something to Mikey, but like, here's the thing. Nobody, we were going to do a show again. Like it was like completely unannounced to anybody, any friends, but he slipped it when he was texting with Mikey. I'm like, I guess the (laughs) next week or two weeks, Mikey sees Gabe. I don't think we're like at a mall or Dave and Buster's. I don't, something like that. And Mikey goes, hey, Gabe, I heard you guys are doing shows again. And Gabe's like, how did you hear that? Like, why do you know that? (laughs) You know? So uh, the Mikey and Mike Kev, I guess they got together and heard of that after they, you know, knew that we were going to really do shows. And then they're like, hey, do you guys want to open up some shows for us? And then once they said that, it was like, there's no going back. You're not saying no to open up an arena, not just to your friends, but friggin' Mike and Mike Romance, whose fans are unbelievable, by the way. They are so, they treated us so well and they're so kind and so nice. But uh, that's, that's, that's actually how this whole thing happened. And then once uh, I think a few promoters heard about us doing the headline shows and Mike Kim. Furnace Fest reached out and then Riot Fest reached out. So it was a total blast um, to be able to add all these extra shows on. And we're, uh, we're going back in a few weeks to, um, we're playing Garden Grove, California at the Garden Grove Amphitheater in uh, Orange County. Um, there's a few tickets left. Would be friggin' great to see uh, all our old friends come out to that show. Uh, and then a few days later, we're playing the forum with Mike Cam. So it's going to be a blast. Um, and then we have our headline shows still in a, uh, December in um, New Jersey. We got two in New Jersey sold out at Starland, Star and there's still some tickets left for our uh, Long Island show on the 9th and our Worcester show December 10th. Now, did you say that you stopped playing drums in 2005? So, like, you pretty much had to like kind of teach yourself all over again, like before this? Yeah, I mean, listen, I haven't played drums other than we did three, really two shows and like a, a small little uh, warm up show um, in 2014. So I hadn't played drums in seven years until those shows when I did a little rehearsal. But then for these shows, I hadn't played drums in eight years. So really, I hadn't played since 2005 for the most part. I wasn't like playing in between. Yeah, so um, my, my, my friend Gunner, uh, he used to play uh, in a band, The Exit, from when we were all very young. Um, incredible drummer. Uh, when I was managing bands, Gunner was the uh, drummer in this band uh, named Big Data. Uh, that I managed. Um, so I was friendly with with Gunner and I, I told him what was happening. And he's I'm like, hey, do you you know where I could rehearse? He's like, well, I have a spot. If you want to throw me a few bucks a month, we got a drum kit there. You can come in like once or twice a week and hop on the drums. So starting February 1st, about once a week, sometimes once every other week, I would go in and play drums just by myself. And then starting in about April, um, you know, about every other week on average, uh, I would get together with Heath and Tyler in Jersey City, ironically, and not purposely done, but just out of asking people around. 
in the same rehearsal spot in 2022, we rehearsed in the same place we rehearsed at in 2004 and 2005. So the we, we were the first people ever in this rehearsal spot in 04 and 05. So it's just like, it's been a really weird trip that, you know, so 20 years can pass almost. And, you know, you, you're kind of like back where you started. Uh, so it's, wow. it's been pretty wild. So you guys started up at, in New Brunswick, right? At, you were at Rutgers, I believe. Yep. So yeah, so you so played we, we basement all, shows there. With yeah, so we were all in local bands as kids. Um, like yeah, you know, Gabe was in a band, Humble Beginnings. Tyler and Heath were in a band called Nowhere Fast. I was in a little band called The Royalties. But our bands would always play shows together. So um, what ended up happening is we were uh, we had all met. We all like it's pretty simple. It's just like. It's hard being in a band, especially when you're young. People have school, they have jobs, but really more than that, people have priorities. For some, it's a girlfriend. For some, it's, you know, uh, school. Some, it's work. Um, and for us, you know, so, so then getting those people to practice, it's always difficult. Or getting them, your bandmates to care, it's difficult. But with, with uh, Heath, Tyler, and Gabe, like, we were all on the same page that we really wanted to try to make something out of a band and give it a hundred percent when we could. So um, right after we kind of got together, I was going to Rutgers, Tyler was going to Rutgers, Gabe was going to Rutgers. We actually all lived together in a house and uh, there was even sh like shows in our basement. Um, I think Thursday played our basement. Rainer Maria played our basement. We'd go see Thursday at a million other basements in New Brunswick. So um, it was this little, really great scene that you could be like, um, self-sufficient which was, was really fun to see um, never got to see the bouncing souls in a basement in new brunswick but that was one of the things that i was in high school i always wanted to do but uh yeah in my mind they were the kings of the, the basement shows before uh you know it became super super common but yeah it was a moment of time it seems like those relationships have like stayed over the years like you know you guys are opening for my cam thursday was there too it's like, what do you think it is about New Jersey like that it kind of just like boiled up that scene in the 2000s? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's population, um, population density, but, you know, that's a boring answer. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but but for real, I think, um, think about the ages a lot of us were, especially when that happened in New Jersey and New York, other than matinees, it was 21 plus it was bars so what ended up happening is you people had to start putting on their own shows and it almost you know became um a thing where people would know okay well we we don't have to settle for a venue we can do the shows ourselves and there was no barrier to entry right so um, people started doing shows at firehouses, basements, um, and we were able to really just cultivate the scene. And it wasn't just hardcore bands playing together. You, a show would have a ska band, a hardcore band, a punk band. Um, and I think that was, you know, part of what really made, made things connect. Uh, and everybody knew that they could make a scene happen. They could do it if they wanted to figure out a way to put the show on and get all their friends' bands out. And the silliest thing is think about some of these ridiculous shows. It's freaking seven band bills. Like, talk about painful to sit through. But 
let's also pretend that nobody goes to the show. You got like 30 to 50 people just hanging out at the show watching your band just for the people playing. <laughs> and like, so you actually, by default, were like nurturing something bigger than you realized because it was meaningful to a lot of people. And all these people could then become friends. You go play a crappy bar. There may be three bands. None of the people know each other. They're not hanging out. There's nothing to cultivate there. So I think that has a lot to do with it. The whole, the, the, unintended consequence of the DIY venue made it something very special and made it bigger than itself. The, the, the more irony of the New Jersey thing with my chem tour, my chemical romance tour. So uh, I'm sound checking. And then behind me, I, I look over because we, we, we strike in front of my chem so they don't have to move their drums out when they play. We're doing sound check. I see this guy behind me. He's like, hi, you know, introduce myself. I'm Rob. And he's like, you know, it says name and Amy. And, and, and he's like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm Mike Ken's drum tech. I go, oh, how do you know? How did you, how do you know the guys? How do you meet them? He goes, oh, I'm Tucker from Thursday's drum tech. That's, that's how I, <laughs> I, I met them. It's like, like it couldn't be more Jersey than that. <laughs> Pretty great. That's awesome. I, I love how they, they took out all these guys who took them out in the beginning and just, just the sense of family that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the the early days of the band. And something I really like about Midtown is how Gabe, Tyler, and Heath all sing. They all share like vocal responsibilities. Um, I was wondering how early on as a band did that like realization happen? Because it's hard enough to find one guy who can sing. Yeah. So are you just practicing and you're like, oh, oh crap. Like no, we're no, no, all no. good at this. No, it was, we, we, we <laughs> consciously wanted to do something different from day one. And, uh, you know, Gabe was in the position with his previous band where they actually wouldn't let him sing and he wanted to sing. Oh, wow. uh, Tyler was the singer of, his, singer of his previous band. And uh, Heath is just, he's a great singer. He's got an incredible voice. Um, he's great with harmonies. So the idea was when we had this opportunity, well, like, why does it just have to be one person, you know? And the, uh, the really funny irony of the whole thing with the dynamic back and forth of, of different people singing and the freedoms and liberty was you, you would think um, only uh, if you wrote the song, you would be singing it. Um, no place feels like home. Tyler sings is well, no place feels like home is a song on our first album. Tyler sings it, but I think Gabe wrote the lyrics and maybe Heath wrote the music. So like, it's, it's a really fun dynamic. And then we, and we had this whole like text thread the other day and um, uh, we have this song called we bring us down that Heath actually sings. <laughs> and what happened, and we, I was, uh, we're going to reissue some vinyl. So we had to go through all the credits. Keith sings it. So Gabe was like assured in the, in the, in the credits that uh, Heath wrote the song, but he's like, no, Gabe, you actually wrote the song. I'm just singing it. And we have all these songs that go back and forth where the, the beauty of it was we ended up doing a lot of things because of whose voice we felt was best for the song, not some funny way of like, oh, I wrote this. I have to do it. And that made it that made it fun to be able to like have the organic um, 
ability to just have these the singer the other singers in the band to to do their thing um so yeah it's it's been cool it's 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 a it's it's a it's a neat um it's a neat way to have a band and you know especially now i don't know if we'll do anything in the future show wise or music wise but all the pressure is off so i think whatever we've been doing we'd probably continue to have the same kind of fun with the songwriting Oh, that's super cool. And you could see the fun you guys are having on stage. And it's oh yeah. It's so fun as a fan, just because you know, you feed off the energy from both ends. Um you mentioned Did song... you go to were you at a, you were at the show in Jersey? Yeah, yeah. I was at, at the Prudential show on uh was it that, yeah Thursday night, Wednesday night. That was our first show with Mike Cam, so we were actually a little more uh I think we did okay but we were a little more apprehensive and I, nervous than I think the other shows. I think you definitely loosened up by the end. Like, I mean, I don't know, but it seemed like as you guys played more, you started having more fun with it and yeah, it looked like fun. Um, yeah. Gabe told a story at that show that I, I have to ask about cause it's just been killing me. You mentioned songwriting and <laughs> I know he, where this is going. <laughs> he may have mentioned that, I think maybe it was Tyler wrote when you were young by the killers. <laughs> I wonder if it's ever going to come back to us from the killers themselves. I, um, I no, we absolutely had nothing here. to do with that song. And, uh, no, it was no the, lie. <laughs> Tell me you wrote it. <laughs> I, I would call them jokes more than lies. Uh, yes, that's yes. called on stage banter. <laughs> okay. Um, that is straight up on stage banter. Oh, man. So, we I were like myself. <laughs> like I said, we, we we yeah, man. Tyler would be driving a nice car right now if, uh, <laughs> if he did write those lyrics. Um, but we were like, man, you, you you can't like these kids. You go into an arena as much as like you know we we had a little bit of marginal success in our careers. Nobody and like ninety nine. 0.9% of the people in the arena aren't familiar with Midtown, but moreover, they're not there to see Midtown. So we were like, well, we should probably do a song that like at least people can enjoy that they might know. So we we're trying to figure out songs and that seemed to like, that era of songs seemed to hit a sweet spot between the parents that might be at the show, the younger people that might be at the show. Cause it's like, I mean, Miley Cyrus is great, but it's kind of corny for Midtown to do a Miley Cyrus song. You know what I mean? Or, um, or we, or you could do, we could do the outfield. We could do your love, but then would the young people really enjoy it? So uh, Gabe's like, Hey, why don't we try this song? And it was funny because I didn't know really how I felt this, about that song at first. And now I'm having a blast playing it. It's real fun for me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually really glad we're doing it. Uh, but yeah, I guess you have to play a song first sometimes to know if you're into it. Yeah. So Tyler did write it. Got it. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler did write um, direction. I think uh, he wrote direction. So now, uh, like being back on stage, like, do you kind of feel like you're glad you kind of ended up where you are now? Or like, is there some regrets that the band hasn't been together this whole time? I'm just kind of curious, like what it's like to get back on stage and oh, what kind of feelings you're going through. Brad, regrets are worthless, man. Regrets. They are. are no, that's why I figured <laughs> I'd ask you. <laughs> you never know how people are going to answer that. You know. <laughs> um, I agree with you, though. No. For the record. <laughs> okay, good. 
No, I'll, I'll tell you how I feel about it. Oh, shit. After, like, these shows, because it's been such a blast, before you have to, like, get in the... Like, I was in the <laughs> office today. I was in the office. I get in the office at 8.45. I leave at 5. I get to the rehearsal spot. I play drums for two hours. I come home, eat quick, and I do this, this interview. And all I can think the whole time after those shows and this whole experience is like, fuck, man. We just had that one single that popped. This could have been my career. <laughs> but like, I didn't feel that way the past 15, 17 years. I didn't feel that way. I feel that way now at these shows. I did not feel that way at any moment between then and now. Because it's like, ah, shit. Somebody just dangled the carrot in front of my face again. Why you got to do that? <laughs> so mean and cruel. But uh, I, I guess the good thing is the way I'm looking at it, and it, it's 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 so crazy. Like, man, I don't know how they do it, but like people will go to freaking their their freaking fancy Equinox and they'll work out for two hours, four or five days a week. I don't know how they do it, but I'm like, shit. I'm in my 40s now. I'm gonna keep doing this drumming thing because. I need to lose some weight. I need to keep working out. So <laughs> to me, this will be my, uh, my gym membership. So uh, it's done a lot of good things that I, that I wouldn't have been doing. And listen, if, if there's a show in the future that we may consider, maybe we'll do something in the future. We don't know. So it, at least it's left uh, the book open when I really thought it was the chapter was closed. The, the book ended forever. So really, uh, really interesting. Yeah. What's meant to be will be, right? <laughs> As they say, <laughs> that's not a midtown lyric. I was <laughs> regrets are worthless. <laughs> they miss they misconstrue the past inside and sound. Hey, now I know there, the real <laughs> there it is. Um, it's a big tattoo, a big midtown tattoo, also, which I have like fifteen midtown twos, tattoos that people sent in. I'm gonna have to post these one of these days just to make sure everybody gets their. Uh, I mean, like that shit's there forever. Speaking of so getting funny. that Midtown tattoo, remember, you get that Midtown tattoo, regrets are still worthless. So no regrets. <laughs> Even if it's on the lower back or, uh, yeah, I digress. <laughs> no regrets on tattoos. Yeah. Most tattoos. Uh, talking about the the hiatus period and just how all these all of the members of the band went in their own directions. And I think it's so cool that you went in the direction of starting a record label. Uh, was that something you always kind of had in the back of your head or did being in a band um, kind of like foster that idea for you? So that, the idea for that was actually pre-Midtown when I was in high school. So we're going back in the, the, the mid-late 90s. Um, I thought how cool it would be to have a record label and put music out. And at the time there were three reasons why I ended up not doing it. Um, the first one was that a lot of little record labels were popping up, but they would just put a, they would just put out compilation CDs. And what happened back in the day is that because there was no streaming, it was hard to market a new artist and other than radio or touring but there was a, it was hard for, for labels to, to get you know ears on their bands. So what, what labels would tend to do is take one song from each of their band's albums. And when a little kid had a little record label, said, hey, will you, uh, it says, hey, can I get a song from you for my compilation CD? They'd give every compilation CD the same damn song. 
So every comp would basically in New Jersey at the time had like the same exact songs on it. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do a record label, I would want original music. I would want to do something that was unique and special. And so that was one reason I, I decided not to start a record label when I was in high school. The other reason was I had no money. I literally had no money. So how am I going to help this band out? And the third reason was, is like, I didn't really have any experience or pull at that point in time. Like, I don't know what I could do other than like flyering and trying to hustle my friends in school um, or like walking into record stores and asking them to bring in the music. So I didn't, I didn't feel that I had enough to give that it made sense. So uh, after Midtown had started, unrelated to Midtown, I, uh, I, 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 and in the back of my, my head, like you, you said, it was something I had always wanted to do. Uh, my friend Laura sent me this EP from this kid, Greg. It's called Time and Distance. It's just five acoustic songs. And I heard this one song called Pretend You Don't, Pretend you don't Know by a song, band called Time and Distance. Acoustic, great song. Um, he was clearly a big Dashboard fan because it was all open tuning guitars. Um, but he was really great. And I loved the song so much. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can put him on a few Midtown shows. I don't know if I actually ever did, but uh, maybe I can put on a few put him on a few Midtown shows. At the least, I could tell my friends about him. I could pay to get CDs pressed for him. Um, and that that moment was was how I started the record label. So uh, I got it. So that must have been early, early '03, late '02. I incorporated the record label in March of '03 and. Um, it was off to the races since then, and uh, we're about to put out our uh, 40th release. Wow! Uh, this year, yeah. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's been a wild. Uh, it's been a little wild ride. And speaking of your record label, so some of my best friends I've ever met in my life, we've connected through Four Years Strong, and like oh, really? some of my best college nights have been to the soundtrack of Rise or Die Trying. Oh, so I feel like, yep. <laughs> so I think I have to ask you, like, how you came across them and what it was, what it's been like to work with them. As, because I've always wondered, like, why they're not bigger than they are. Because, like, that's how much my friends and I love them. But at least it's still like they're like our special band still. But just kind of curious the background of of them. I yeah. I mean, the, why they're not bigger is just opinions, which I could give you them probably. Um, but no, uh, I think it was. Or 2007, Midtown had broken up uh, by that point in time. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. You know, so it was 06 probably. I didn't know where my life was going to go. Midtown broke up in 05. But what I would do is uh, I would work every day on the label and we'd sit around, I'd sit around the kitchen table and I just had a bunch of interns that were really excited to help out and add, add friends on MySpace help me package up envelopes and send them out to um, record stores, um, uh, radio stations, magazines, because 06 was still not, it was maybe some MP3 downloads, but it was not popular. It was still hard because it still took forever to download a song. You download the song, but you know, you'd think it was Midtown, but it would say another, it would say Mill and Colin, but you know, like, like, like that's how, how downloading was back then. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, but because I had the address on the CDs that I had out and because we had a website, what ended up happening was is, uh, we'd get demos all the time. So we got the four-year strong demo and um, 
we just loved it. I mean, I honestly, I don't even know if it had visor dye trying on it at that point. I think it might have been, I'm sure that, yeah, so I think they had like three songs. I'm trying to remember what they were. And I think that was the, I think that's the initial thing they sent it. And then we just like, from there, it was just like, oh, this, this beat him rules. And um, I think it was either through, I don't know if it was through four year or through Valencia. We met these guys, Nick and Matt. And we had four year strong go down to Philly, record with these guys, um, spend some time on it. And, and, and that's where Rise or Die trying ended up coming out of. And then once that came out, it was just like, listen, when, when I first went to see four year strong, it was to maybe between five and eight people at this place called the cooler in the meatpacking district of New York. Like, nobody was there five to eight people when we saw four year but like man you knew you like watching them in five day people it was like wow this band's special they're going to be something special and um you know i think why aren't they bigger we could all have our we could all make up opinions you, you never know why there's always like lightning in a bottle somewhere somehow right. where, where ours gets but i will say this i i think one of the things, so we did, I surrendered at Rise or Die Trying, and then we did um, uh, uh, Explains world. It All, Explains It All, oh, which was right. a, yeah. a cover CD. The 90s covers? Yeah, the 90s covers. But um, after that, they were no longer on my record label. Um, their contract was a two-album deal. So then they had asked, hey, will you, will you manage us? They asked me if I would manage them. So then we did, we wrote Enemy of the World. We recorded it. Um, I may be wrong about this. Uh, no, I, I, I take it back. I take it back. We did Enemy of the World with them. And you could feel at that point they had a lot of momentum and things were going well. And then um, we did the next album, which was in some way, shape, or form. And I think two, two big things happened because that's where that should have been the album where they popped. They were on a major label. They, as you could, as you listened, if you listened to it, there's they did what a lot of bands, including Midtown, did on their third albums. They kind of went a different direction, maybe a little darker. Maybe they thought, hey, yeah, the Foo Fighters are like the king of cool for that genre, so you know maybe they go in that direction or whatever. Whatever decisions a band makes, they have great songs on that album, by the way. They Don't do. get me wrong. Yeah. Um, Stuck in the Middle is like, that actually is one of my all-time favorite For Your Strong songs. And it's 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 on that album. And Just Drive is also... Just a, Drive a, is a great one. It's a great song. But here's the kicker. Okay, so whatever with the genre of it, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Universal. They were on Universal Motown Records. Universal Folded. We finished the album and we no longer had a label. And the way it worked under Universal Music Group is one of the other labels has to pick up the album or it just never gets released. They were in fucking purgatory. So then Universal Republic says, okay, you know what? We'll just pick up the album and we'll put it out. They put it out, did zero marketing for it, but zero push in other than testing it at rock radio 
two weeks later after the album comes out, it was Monty or Avery Littman who, you know, they've run Republic forever. They're like insanely successful, but all of their success is driven off radio and data. That's like, that's how they determine their hits and figure it out. And if something doesn't work, they're not going to spend their time on it because that's not the business they're in. But we were by default, we didn't sign to that label, but we were by default put on that label. So I was, Monty Ravy gives me a call and says, hey, listen, it's really not coming back at research on radio, even though that's not really who four year was anyways. And, you know, we're, we're, we're letting the band go. And they own the masters and the album had only been out for two weeks. So they never got their fair shot on that album to, to have a push. So I think, you know, why isn't four years strong bigger overall? I, I, I can't tell you, but I think, you know, they had a lot of momentum coming off enemy of the world going into that album. Um, and it was a few, few stars that just didn't align. See, there's your four year strong interview. <laughs> I don't know. Love that was Warrior, awesome. That was, that's so like, that's a, that was so much great information there. I don't think people know that stuff because nobody, they, they want to talk about Midtown or something else. So that's, that's, that's good. Uh, you got some good info there. So when you, when you interview four year, um, yeah, I and they have every right to be frustrated uh, about that. So they've yeah. come back strong, though. no pun intended. But like they've, mm-hmm. it seems like they got back to their roots, and they've, they've the last couple albums they put out have been phenomenal. And it seems like they're really comfortable with who they are, and the music's benefiting from that. Yeah, and they've they've figured out a lot of things too, career wise. It's funny because like they definitely have a career playing music, but in some ways, like. I totally love it because I can completely relate to where they're at right now with Midtown doing these shows again. Because like, I remember Joe, the bass player, he's got like a, a business where like at one point he was building like, like these super cool glass coffee machines that had beakers that did all these cool little things. And he's great at woodworking. Um, and I think he, he owns like, now he, he, he got this warehouse that's, in Worcester Mass or somewhere near that like I don't think they fix bicycles but it's also a coffee shop and also maybe a barber shop or rehearsal studio I don't know but he does that and like that's his job but he's also got four year and Jake the drummer is a he he, um, he builds houses and um, there's all kinds of construction like like really cool woodwork and then Alan writes songs for artists produces uh, and he has it like sells Christmas trees. Uh, nice. It sells Christmas trees in the winter. And, and, and Dan is an engineer, a producer. And he also, um, uh, he also does like score. He wants to get more in like doing scoring movies and things like that. So it's like, I guess I can't feel all that bad about my career path because this is a super successful band. They're still doing it. I'm hanging out with Cyrus from Newfound Glory uh, at Furnace Fest a few weeks ago, we were talking. He's like, "Yeah, I still do realty. I'm still a realtor." It's <laughs> like you just played in front of thirty thousand people. What are you talking about? So, but yeah, so it's like you know, people still have their jobs. I mean, I guess it could probably get pretty boring if, if you don't. I mean, look at look at oh my god, talk about somebody busy. Look at Frank from My Chem. He's got yeah. he's got his own oh, yeah. band. He's got My Chem, and now Ellis Dunes. It's like. I hope he can sleep at some point in the next <laughs> few years because it doesn't seem like he's going to get too much. 
Yeah, he's a he's a busy guy. And mm-hmm. it's crazy how how you mentioned like a lot of these bands like still work some form of a day job one way or another. It seems like yeah. unless you're like a like a My Chem or a Blink-182 or a Foo Fighters, you it's I don't know if it's just not enough or maybe these guys are just they're just ambitious and they want to they want to do as much as they can. Yeah. I yeah and you know what else I think you know especially because of the pandemic if you've been a band for that long say 15 to 25 years there's going to be bouts of just like nothing going on for time period so I think that that also probably like lends itself and you know when you've been a band that long even if it's you know it goes up but then it stays marginal or not marginal but goes up it's but does some sort of plateau it's going to like maybe you know you have these conversations with people that are in successful bands and they're just like you know bro it may not last forever so you may want to figure something out just in case for later so this could all just be just in case for later we ask this a lot on this show um what's the best way to support these touring bands is it is it merch is it spotify paying the bills like what how can we support these bands we love I think the number one way to support a band specifically is to buy a shirt on tour. And the reason is because, yeah, (laughs) the reason is, yeah. If if you're headliner and you get a guarantee, uh, your manager and your agent and potentially your lawyer get a cut. If you buy a shirt, it has nothing to do with the agent. If you're, but moreover, if you're a support band on a tour, your merchandise is the only thing that's going straight to the band. Because typically if you're support, you're not getting much of a guarantee at the show anyways. And you're definitely not getting back end. Um, And so the shirt goes straight to the band. If you stream a song or buy a CD, you buy a CD, let's say you buy a CD or buy vinyl or... um, the record label is gonna is the one selling it so they get the whole the record label gets the entire wholesale off the cd sold in the store the the store itself is going to get the difference between the wholesale price and and the cd that you just bought anyways well what's left over let's just say there's eight bucks left over well you're probably gonna most of that eight bucks is probably going to go towards recoupment of the album anyways but then on top of that, have to pay out any songwriters or, and if those songwriters have publishers, the publishers are taking a cut on top of it. So at the end of the day, the only thing you can always feel good knowing that's going straight to the band where Spotify is not taking a cut, performance rights societies aren't taking a cut. Uh, I could go and I could go in for hours of neighboring rights <laughs> societies or whatever it may be. The only thing you know that's going to go right to the band is a t-shirt. So that's why I, I think if there's one way somebody can su- support a band, if they're headlining, buy a ticket. Uh, if they're supporting, buy a T-shirt. I think that's that's pretty easy how it is. Sounds good. Is that what everybody says? <laughs> or they say it in like two sentences? <laughs> no, that, no P- that seems to be the, the general consensus. And I think we got a little more info out of you because you work with a label and stuff, so you know more behind the scenes. But... Yeah, I'm a sucker for shirts. We both are. I have no room in my house for more shirts, (laughs) but I just keep buying them. (laughs) I always had a dream. Like my my dream, especially living in Brooklyn, this ain't happening. My dream is like having a massive closet 
where you could actually hang the, sh- the shirts on uh-huh. hangers. That'd so be you amazing. can like go through them, put them in color order. <laughs> Mine are like rolled up in like a Tupperware in the basement at this point. I have to decide what makes it into the rotation and yeah. what gets banished to the basement. It's in little I, squares in a little yeah. drawer. So. <laughs> you can like go on TikTok and YouTube and find like the 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 machine that no makes that had well, to fold uh, the, the damn oh, yeah, shirt yeah. to the perfect square. <laughs> you see uh, this? They have ones where you just throw them in and it, it, it does it automatically. You just place the shirt like in the mouth of this machine and then it comes out the other side perfectly folded. Like it just whoa. knows how to do it. Yeah, it's That's a wild. game changer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about Bodega Cats too because we're animal lovers it? here. And oh, I see you got good. the sweatshirt on. Is, is that your... Is that something you do or you just work with them or? So uh, I've been in Brooklyn over 20 years now, somehow over 20 years as well. But, you know, a number of years ago, I would go into the, you know, right after Instagram came out, I would go into the stores, the, the corner stores. And, um, you know, I would just, I would always see these cats. And I thought it was the best thing because it just like, it, it changed your day. It made you, no matter who you are, you go and you see, the, you, you feel better. Um, but one day I just remember like, you know, going in to get uh, an egg and cheese at like 2 a.m. in the morning after I had been drinking out. And just like, my God, I see these cats all the I'm going to take a photo of this cat. I put it on my Instagram account and uh, all my friends like that photo more than my photos. I'm like, wait a second, what? <laughs> this is a damn cat. Um, and then I saw another one. I started doing it. And I was like, wow, well, it's certainly making everybody happy. So I might as well just start an account. Um, just let's let's see like maybe it could be a thing that you know makes people stoked and i started doing it it just started growing and then i added the twitter and the facebook and now the tiktok but what happened was about four years ago or so i was like i was thinking about like when i was in a you know in a band i was thinking of ways like especially with midtown something we had said early days of the band is like if we have this platform maybe there's ways to use it towards positive causes uh, to do do something good good with it i don't i feel like uh, most not enough people do that so i started a web store um with shirts i'm just wearing this because i work to work and i'm exhausted um but i don't always wear it but my bandmates i think think i only wear bodega cats (laughs) t-shirts i have they haven't said anything to me negatively but i have that there are some cool ones i was on the the side some nice designs thank you thank you (laughs) So I have a story about that too that goes back to Midtown, which is even crazier. But uh, so I'm able to to donate uh, a bunch of the money from the web store to animal rescue organizations, more specifically um, local cat TNR organizations. TNR stands for Trap, Neuter, Return. And the beauty of it is now they won't be reproducing. So they won't, you know, there won't be this, this, this outbreak of animals. And these people work hard and they get calls all day and night from people that, Oh, there's a cat in my backyard, not realizing these are people's like second, like this, these aren't these people's jobs. They're not getting paid for it. So um, one of the things I want to do is not just not help them with money, which I've done, but also like, if there's a way I can help, you know, there's 1.1 million followers on on Twitter, 430,000 on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So like, if I can help amplify their messaging to bring more awareness um, to what they're doing or to help get them more followers, um, that's something I also try to use the, the platform to. So it started out as something um, 
just very like to make people happy, which it certainly still does, uh, and evolved into something where I want to try to use the platform um, for something you know bigger and greater than I initially thought it would be to potentially help the community out in some way. Now I don't, I, I barely have time to sleep at the moment, but uh, in theory, I'd like to even see if there's uh, other ways that I can even whether uh, help whether it's because a lot of the bodegas are in low-income communities so if there's a way that i can extend this just from the animal rescue uh animal animal rescue world uh, even further in um you know that's something i if i could find somebody to work with somebody that has great ideas i'm all all ears to try to figure out how i can help with that too and i think a lot of that comes from growing up in the punk rock community and you know, you wanted to be in a band, but you didn't want to just be a rock star. You wanted to like, it was really, like you said, it was about those basement shows. It was about the scene. It was about doing it yourself. It was about the community and the camaraderie of it all. And I, I think those ideas uh, have lent it to me in life, uh, giving me my, you know, ideals and visions and beliefs uh, uh, and my morals and grounding, um, or it's helped me extend it in other ways. but. Um, you were asking about some of the, the Bodega Cats merch designs. So I, I met this guy through a friend who does these incredible designs. And I asked him if he could help out with Bodega Cats. Well, when we found out that we were going to do these Midtown shows and announce the My Chem shows, we, we had to do it. Like, I only had like a two-week turnaround when I found out everything. So I reached out to the designer for the Bodega Cat shirts, and he freaked out. Because he didn't know I was in Midtown, and apparently he was a big fan. Are you kidding me? So he's coming out to the show in Jersey. So it really, it's a, it's a really funny small world where it really does come full circle. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a trip for that be, guy. Be careful asking me a question because I'll give you like an hour answer. Uh, so California shows next week? Yeah, you should come out. I wish. Yeah. I'm still trying. I'm hoping to go to one of the Starland shows. One of our favorite venues. Yeah, Starland is, it's Man, a blast. I, I, been there, it's been there forever. And there's just like, there are still so many. I feel like every damn show is almost sold out. It's like every band goes. Yeah, you guys added that second date real fast. Yeah, That sold out we, in a couple of minutes. We, we didn't even know if we would sell out one show. We were, we were <laughs> really unsure. And that was just, that made it all that much more. Like, all right, this is going to be a good time. This it's going to it's going to be a blast. You're playing. I think that'll geez. be one of the coolest shows we ever have because I don't we've I don't know if we've ever headlined ever two thousand kids and sold it out ever, and we have two shows in a row with two thousand people sold out. So like, I can't even fathom. Yeah. I I can't even contemplate it at this point. And they're there for you, not like yeah. the my chem shows where it might be hit or miss in the audience. These people are there for you. It, yeah. It's it's if anything, the My Chem shows are almost like a tease for you guys compared to how these next these solo shows are gonna go. It's all awesome in different ways. <laughs> it really is. I, I'm glad that it all worked out. I, I couldn't be more 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 happy about it. Except for having to go back into the office the next day when they asked how my weekend was. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tell them what I ate that was on the writer. I had Oh, what'd you do this weekend? I had some peanut butter jelly, chips and salsa. What did, what did you do this weekend? <laughs> That's I'll a good call. Me. If we were to have openers, who do you think they should be? Ooh. That's a great question. Hmm. You know, I, I flipped it. Yeah. I flipped it. 
what do you think makes sense in the Northeast for Midtown? Who would make sense for us to have the support? Man, I got well, you. You're all sleep. Thursday would be awesome too, but that they might. Well, so the thing about th- Thursday is actually on some of these, sh- like we'll play a date with Mike Cam and they'll like have played the night before, like in the forum in LA, I think they play Sunday and we play Monday. Yeah, that's what happened in Jersey opening. too. Yeah. We're four years strong. We'll see. Keep going. Hmm. Valencia? No, but that would be awesome. <laughs> they, would be uh, cool. yeah, they're a little busy right now. But I love the Armor idea. Is there any other bands like at, very similar to I Am the Avalanche you think would be cool? Movie Life? Do you yes. think like fans would be stoked? That's a good one. Thing? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. I definitely think so. Idea. Yeah. Okay. I think there might be some subtle hints here. <laughs> to be determined. No subtle hints. It's interesting. All the bands <laughs> that you said are bands that we absolutely love. So you're, uh, so it's interesting. It's good to know that you like the bands that we like too. Yeah. That's how we get to so many bands too. So it's, it's great. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you, know, dots. you like this band and you like this one and you like this one. Yeah. It's like how you, like you want to just forward us some tickets, like feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you, you, you can a book find, the opener for you. Here, yeah. You can find them at, um, they're yours, but you go to seatgeek.com. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun though. I'll, we'll find a way there. Cool, man. Well, yeah. that's great meeting y'all. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Um, best of luck with the upcoming shows, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. StubHub.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're the cool. enemy. <laughs> we'll be looking. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> that might be uh, Axis if it's if it's Starland, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably all owned cool. by the same person. But yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Thank you so cool. much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Well, Brett, Nick, it was great meeting both of you and, and have a good rest of your night and I hope I get to meet you soon. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Later. Bye, y'all. And we're back. Thank you to Rob for coming on the show. We totally did that interview already. <laughs> no, it's in 20 minutes, but we're recording the back half now. So thank you to Rob still. This is our future selves from the past. Our pre thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh we have some news this week. Nothing nothing too too crazy. Um there's a new Paramore song. This is why. Funky. I enjoyed it. It reminded me of a that cake song short skirt and long jacket <laughs> i could see that right <laughs> yeah yeah just had that like driving baseline with like the little riff going over it yeah yeah it was cool um i want i feel like i wanted her voice to like get a little grittier for a little bit cuz she was kind of singing like that like falsetto the whole time i wanted that like that Haley williams like yell did you not listen to uh after laughter no well 
Wait, no, I didn't. That one before this one? No, I okay. thought I listened to... <laughs> no, I listened to Self-Titled, the 2013 one. I misread so, Spotify. Because I was like, I, what did their last album do? It was just like, like that's this. where her singing style was. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was really it poppy, but good. But she sang like this for most of it. Okay, that's fine then. Um, if that's the direction they're in. I didn't listen to that album. And when I tried to do my homework really quickly, I misread um, Spotify. So yeah, got that's time, cool. Though. She doesn't sing like that anymore. That's fine. She doesn't have this, to. Uh, <laughs> this new album's not coming out until February, so you got time to uh, go back to that one before reviewing the new one. Okay. Okay, nice. Yeah, I never... Uh, it's never like too deep into Paramore. Um, I just listened to like Riot when I was in high school. That was, that was kind of it. And that wasn't the, listening the one, to Riot in high school. Exactly. <laughs> and the one with the couch, like here and there. When yep. Nicole would put it on. The emergency? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember this. But yeah, I didn't like I didn't really stick stick with them too far, so I'm not up to date on Haley Williams singing style. I'm a big Haley fan, so that's why I know that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll check out I'll check out after laughter. I'll uh I'll get up to speed by November. It's very like eighties poppy after yeah. laughter. It's very different, but it's still like it's catchy in a way that it's good, if that makes sense. I feel like that eighties like style is making a huge comeback right now. Cause cause Youngblood did it. That Joe album was like it. Um the Yeah Yeah Yeah's album we just talked about gave me like eighties vibes at times. People just want to dance. Yep. Tame Impala so- did it with um their last like two albums, the Slow Rush and uh uh Currents was very like bass driven dance music. So bring it on. I'll I think get Haley might have been ahead of her time in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the song. I just, in my head, I was expecting like... Pop punky? Yeah. Which is, now I know. Now I've, I've, I've been learned by Brett. Thank you. But if there was ever a time for them to go back to that sound, it would be this year. I know, right? And then we'd say it's inauthentic. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can win. I refuse to be happy. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad they're coming back. I'm excited to see what they do now that we talked about it. But I should just listen to After Laughter because it sounds like I can see what they do for a first time by just listening to that album. This one that kind of like the guitar reemerged. So for that's this a, song that could be a sign for... of things. On this song, on the new song. Nice. That's cool. You said she's Dating a guitarist? I believe so. You double check cool. that. Though. Maybe we'll get some some love songs. You might to each other on stage. <laughs> tell you are the guitarist. Yep. Maybe they'll break up and we'll get like a a rumors thing, and they'll make like an amazing album. <laughs> it still makes me sad that she's uh not with Chad anymore from Newfound because they were together for a long time. Oh wow, I. I did not know that. I I've just been, I don't know, not up to date on my, my Haley Williams Paramore news. And the pop punk gossip scene. Yeah, I guess not. But yeah, I'll uh, check it out. See 
see uh, what the last album was like and see what this new one is going to be like. I'm sure they're going to give us more singles that you will listen to because it's the five-year rule. It is, yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good to know. Qualifies under that, Joe. Yeah. Um, we have a show this weekend. We do. It's a good thing you're wearing a hoodie because you might need to wear like another one over that for it. <laughs> it's going to be cold. This um, might be the coldest concert I've ever been to. PNC Arts Center. On... In October. It's going to be like below 50, I think. Yeah. The low that night is 40. So. Yeah. Well, we have an extra ticket. If anyone out there wants to come. <laughs> now that we've talked it up so much. <laughs> There was a part of me that looked at the low on Saturday. It was like, I wonder if we could flip these. <laughs> hey, um, I've been pretty busy lately. So as Larry David once said, there is no better feeling than canceling plans. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been the listening of, to them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like part of me, there's a part of me that hates the cold so much. It's like, I'd rather get the money back and be home where it's warm. We have really good seats. Then we we, we have try. really good seats, <laughs> and it's two bands that we really love. So there's yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk. <laughs> we, we can say. Tune in next week to see if we win or not. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> or did Brett stay home to watch the Mets break his heart again? <laughs> well, you can either freeze your ass off or have your heart broken. I'd you, probably you rather have... freeze my ass if at this point. <laughs> well, your heart might still get broken. The Mets are still going to play. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not going to not play because <laughs> Gaslight's playing. <laughs> that would be cool if that's why they couldn't play that night, though. <laughs> they're going to the show. <laughs> I heard um, I w- I've been reading up on Gaslight and how this tour is going, and I heard he talks a lot, and it's been a contentious thing to the point that he's come out and said, I don't care if you don't like me talking. It's what I do. So he's responded to the haters. Like talking to the point where like he's putting dents in their set list. I mean, they're still playing like 20 songs. I haven't even looked because like when I looked early on, they were mixing it up every night, which I liked. So yeah, I figured there's no need to keep checking on it. They're mixing it up a whole lot. Okay. Yeah. None of these are the same. Okay. Some songs carry over, but there's a lot of. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, hit or miss for me. I know like handwritten and the fifty nine sound very well, and then American Slang I don't know as well. Get hurt I don't know as well. They might be playing a little too much Get Hurt for everyone's liking, but I think that I might listen to, go back and revisit the rest of the week because I wonder if it's as bad as everyone I don't said it was back then. I don't think it's it's so bad like i i made a playlist and none of these songs sound out of place among the other songs so i remember that tour like they'd play some of these songs and would just completely kill the vibe of like 59 sound and handwritten <laughs> songs but like stay vicious is know. a good one stay vicious a thousand has, like, years a, is good stay vicious has a great like riff but get hurt is slow yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember underneath the mercy. ground is kind of slower. Uh, I think Have Mercy is too, right? I think so. Um, Halloween definitely is. 
depends which version. There's a couple versions of Halloween. But even, I don't know, even Halloween, like, picks up and, like, has cool guitar parts. Like, And it's October. True. They'll definitely play Halloween. So I can't give them <laughs> shit for playing that. No. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about their music live that just feels good. Like, even if I don't know these songs inside and out, there's just, I don't know, something about this band. They just have, like, a... But just a good feel to them. I don't. I don't really know how to how to describe. Put on it. a great show, so it will yeah. be fun. And Jeff Rosenstock puts on an incredible show too. I'm glad he's opening. Yeah. So I have to re up on Jeff Rosenstock. Got to listen to No Sleep. The album came out in 2020. No sleep. Yeah. No dream. No dream. That's it. No dream. No be there. 2020. Okay. That was one of my favorite albums of that year. All right. Yeah, I'll listen to that. Um I might, is phenomenal. I might just look up his set list so I can because he's he's another one who I know I would really like if I just listened to him, but I just never listened to him a whole lot. But I know I, he's I like, need a credit for me getting really into him. Yeah. I know I was hoping he would join us. But he just got married, he just went on honeymoon. Probably Understandable. Like, I don't want to go freeze my ass off at PNC. <laughs> completely understandable <laughs> yeah hey it's going to be one of the last shows um well you have mezzingers i can't go to that and maybe we'll have fish depending on the results of this lottery or the general admission attempt on friday yeah i've gotten uh no emails and no holds on my credit card same so i'm like kind of hoping i don't get tickets because i put in for all four nights and if i actually get all four that's a lot of money to get charged to my card yeah i don't like <laughs> I don't, max out your credit card <laughs> i got caught up in the moment <laughs> and there is a chance you could get like seats in like the sky bridge or some bullshit <laughs> like that would be oh man really sad because those you'll probably just lose money on <laughs> no one will buy those People will buy them, but I don't know if you're uh, you're not gonna make a big profit though. Right? Might be, it might be close. We'll see. But like, if you happen to get like floor seats for New Year's Eve, you could pay for all other three shows easily. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll we'll have to fill everyone in next week. Otherwise, we're attempting Friday morning. Yes, I believe so. I have to confirm, but I would think so. Usually it's Friday. Sometimes it's no Friday sounds good. I think it's Friday. For when tickets go on sale for general admission. Right. They should just give us those tickets. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll fill everyone in next week. Uh, the exciting <laughs> conclusion. A lot of cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. Will Nick and Brett go to fish? Will they freeze their ass off at the gaslight anthem? Tune in next week to find out the exciting conclusion. Did they come back from an interview that never happened? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god. That's if he just were like cancel right now. So much of this show wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> Don't you even have to do like a fake interview there or something. 
we would just play mid put a midtown song in You're like all right <laughs> we just play clips like we ask questions and then just find find lines of them <laughs> just find drum fills <laughs> no that interview will happen you gotta yeah you gotta stay positive <laughs> uh speaking of we should end the show so we can go do that interview which is happening <laughs> it is happening i was kidding <laughs> As you know already, because this is the end of the show. <laughs> That's a great point. Everyone listening right now already listened to the interview. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Until next week, folks. We love you very much. Push your feet and drive with the Ferenti.